Welcome to Genius Leadership Overcoming Everything podcast. I'm your host, Anna Liebel, a mind shifter, helping male leaders in tech get out of the firefighter mode, become the proactive leaders they want to be, and enjoy the ride as they go. Join me every week for honest, insightful conversations with corporate, entrepreneurial, and academic leaders about their rollercoaster ride to leading from their zone of genius. If you find the show valuable, could you do me a favor? Rate and review the podcast. Share it with your network so that more of us can live a healthier and happier life. And for now, let's take the ride together. Hey, Genius Leaders, welcome to another episode. Today, it will be a bit of a different format. You know that I'm experimenting a lot. It's my show. I am allowed to do what I have want. And now I'm trying to combine the live streams that we do on LinkedIn together with going deeper into the discussions that we have there. So in March and April, we'll be having the same topic and we'll actually divide it by two. So we are going to discuss four pillars of a leader's health. And today we are starting the first two pillars, which are physical health and mental health. And what we've done is that we had a panel discussion with three guests on LinkedIn, where we all together discussed those two pillars. And now for three weeks, you will hear some shorter deep dives into some topics that I picked up with to discuss with every of those guests. So for three weeks now, you will be hearing uh, deep dives into some parts uh, of a discussion about leaders' health. And then on the fourth week of March, you will hear a panel discussion of all four of us together. So, Rulof, welcome to the show again. Well, thank you again. Yeah, you've been here discussing the healing of success. And now, almost a year later, uh, we, we are here and discussing the, the health. How are you feeling with your health these days? I'm very healthy, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's very important to to notice yeah. that, right? Because we quite often start thinking about health when we don't have it. Quite a, quite yeah. a lot of people just with like anything in the world. And those people who, who are like in health, they quite often have those wishes. I just wish I would be able to do X, Y, Z like I did before and I'd never appreciated it. So it's good that you are aware of how, how well your, your health is. And that's also something I'm uh, practicing daily. So Roland. I wanted to discuss with you a concept that you mentioned in the end of the live stream, which was the concept of self-enjoyment as opposed to self-care. Would you like to explain what you meant by that word? So I think that is, because I did mention that term, and I'm not sure that it was actually a conscious uh, choice, so I kind of have to deep, deep dive into my brains, figure out why I was saying that. But it has, uh, it has something to do with, I would say, wants versus musts, in the sense that yeah, we, when we talk about self-care, uh, which is something, of course, we all should do, I think we, we, have, we would tend to, connect, to con- connect that with something that we have to do, sort of a must. You, you must take care of yourself. And of course, we must take care of us. And, and, but sometimes it's also good uh, to try to, uh, instead of defining things in terms of what you have to do, sometimes it can be better to try to define things in terms of what you like to do, what you want to do. So if you... If you can frame activities, so for example, here you say, look, you know, I have to take care of myself, therefore I do X, Y, and Z. Although nobody's going to complain about that, it's fine. But if you're able to say, I do X, Y, and Z because I enjoy doing it and it fits in with my lifestyle, 
I think you can get a feeling that that's actually a, a more a stronger, and I wouldn't say a push, but pull to doing those X, Y, and Z. I'm to do some, say, okay, you know, I have to do X, Y, and Z, and I have to make sure I have the discipline to do it. You know, I'll do it. So that's really what I'm talking about here. So it's really about can you reframe things from a sort of push, you know, I have to push myself to do this, to a state where you can, there's a pull, that you, there's a natural pull for you to do things. Like, you know, you don't, most people, they don't have to say, you know, I have to eat. Generally, they eat when they're hungry, so they're pulled to eat. So they do it and they enjoy their eating. So there's no, no issue about getting enough calories to pack the other way around. We get too many calories, perhaps. That's the issue. But, but for most people, eating and nourishment is a, is a sort of a pull activity. It's not a push activity. It's actually tricky what you're talking about. I see it for, for some of my clients and friends who, who actually don't really find enjoyment in food, whether they cook, whether the, someone cooks for them, whether they go and do takeaway uh, or eat a restaurant, eat out. They just don't find pleasure in that. And I see that for those clients and friends, it's actually harder to be in the habit of eating nor of not skipping their meals and then not feeling suddenly too hungry in the evening and then just throw in something, whatever it is in yourself, which is not very nourishing and so on. So the same I see with the physical training. Some people just say, I just don't like physical training, period. I've tried different forms, whether it's sports, whether it's going and training in a gym, whether it's jogging outside and so on and so forth. And they just don't find that pull. So what would you say to people who are challenged in those ways when, when it's difficult for them? It doesn't come natural to find that pull in whatever they're trying to achieve. Well, let's go back to the, to the, to the other example you're talking about, which is eating. Mm-hmm. And uh, now, speaking for myself, but for many people, uh, I think also what is often enjoyable about a meal is the fact that you, you share it with people, you have a discussion, so there's an enjoyable environment going on so you're associating eating with you know pleasant social activities and that makes it you know uh, that makes it uh, you know that makes them the eating itself doesn't be a chore and uh, and exactly example you gave you know is what you said look you know uh, you, you, the way you framed it is somebody who's working you know and then has to you know has to eat you know because it's hungry and that's it so that, that there's no enjoyment going on there it's it is sort of in effect it's blocking what it's kind of getting in the way of what they're trying to achieve. That's that's the uh, kind of thing, and then the eating doesn't is, is no longer kind of enjoyable because it's blocking you away. So, so the issue there is that, that eating has now been exactly that. It's been framed as a block to achieving your goals instead of it being perhaps one of your goals in the sense of having you know, a pleasant social interaction with people you like, assumedly, you know, with your family and who you think you have, you know, uh, that you that you probably would say, yes, it's important to, to interact with them, you know, on a daily basis. And uh, there's a moment where we can sit down and, uh, and chat on that. So that kind of already sort of sets the stage for um, how you might go about physical activities. So it's, so you move away from saying, okay, this is something I have to do in order to achieve my goals, to say, well, are there things that I could, could I, could I, for example, oh, so let's take this one example. And supposing you say, well, look, I don't do any physical, well, you know, I mean, you might like walking or, but not alone, but maybe there's some kind of thing. Maybe there's people around or friends or where you say, look, you know, let's go, 
for a walk for 30 minutes and talk about whatever we want to talk about. So you start looking, or you might be interested in trees. You know, I'm just saying that. So maybe you say, okay, wait, you're not going to buy buy a book on, on nature or some kind of things there and look for specific things as I go on the walk. So the walk is no longer, I'm doing this because I have to stay in shape, but you're building in other you're building in other attractors. You're building attractors in that. And there's another, there's a nice word for that also. I mean, I, I call it reframing, but you could also call it recontextualizing. Mm-hmm. So you you create or you build or you rebuild uh, your context. And that's coming back, to, I think, where that's where we came from in the story of leadership. Because one of the things about leadership is you have to, you know, you have to show leadership, um, you know, and, it's often seen that that should be proactive and you should be doing this and perhaps doing that. So you will see any of the LinkedIn posts, there'll be perhaps 10 things that you should be doing, but they're all kind of coming from you and things that you have to kind of push. But an important part of leadership is, or a powerful bit is being able to, is to be able to recontextualize or to reframe just the environment where you act in and where others act in. And to make the things that, that you want to do, or want to achieve, fit in with things that you enjoy doing. Mm-hmm. So this is where the self-enjoyment or enjoyment aspect, if it's possible to get to do that. When you enjoy what you're doing, then you don't have to push yourself to do it, but you, you'll get pulled to doing it. And building that skill of, on the one hand, uh, I would say uh, self-direction, which is the traditional classic idea, you know, you need to do a number of things and do it well to, I would say, the self-contextualization where you reframe things so you, do, you don't necessarily have to do it well, but you, you want to do it well because it's just mm. part of it's fun and you get enjoyment out of doing it well. Hey, Genius Leader, I'm chiming in here quickly to ask you to do one thing for me. If you're enjoying this episode, share it with one person who you think would find it valuable as well. Let's spread the goodness together so that more people can play within their zone of genius. You're giving just so many great tips here. Uh, it's a new word for me, recontextualization. I don't know about that. Yeah, it's not a, it's a mouthful of a word, <laughs> but it really uh, um, opens up for a lot of discussion or a lot of th- train of thought, I would say. So dear genius leaders, take that one, that concept for yourself, uh, how you can actually reframe the, uh, the must so that they actually become the ones. And uh, to be honest, Sometimes it's enough to start to actually change the modality in the words that you, um, or in the sentence that you are saying. And I've been doing it a lot with some of my clients when they always say, I must, I have, I need to. And I always ask, do you really must? Do you really have to? Do you really need to? Or do you want to? Or do you feel like you're pressured into that? And so on. And just having this reflection, why did I choose this modality actually can put you on the, on a different train of action. Just when you decide, to say, like, I don't have time for something. And you say, I cho- choose not to have time for something. After you have said it three, five times, you, you suddenly notice that you actually choose to have time for that because you suddenly have the power. You're in control because you, I don't have time is lack of control kind of modality. And when you say, I choose not to find time for that or have time for that, suddenly you can actually change it. And yeah. it becomes much easier to reframe when you are actually paying attention to the words that you're using. That's quite true. And it's also about, um, and, and that's right, it's about uh, 
creating options for yourself. This is where you your context create more options. And it's sometimes, I mean, a lot of a lot of leadership really is about is about not doing things. I think some of us know that, realize that it's its ability to to not to do things. It is the but maybe it's also and that's maybe not just leadership or self-leadership, but in fact just letting things. So this is where this is where the concept of flow comes in, of going with the flow. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's no longer a need to have to, to steer. In other words, you know the river's going in the right direction, so you don't have to worry about whether you're on the left side of the river or the right side of the river, but you just get make sure you're on the on the right river. Mm-hmm. So that's that's also about establishing the correct context for yourself. Is this is this generally speaking where I need to go and, and can I let it flow? Do I have to worry about the, the details or can I just let the the details worry about themselves. And this is definitely the concept, that one of the concepts that we discussed during the panel discussion or uh, conversation, the uh, concepts of prioritizing and actually filtering for that and uh, how to work with your FOMO, fear of missing out and those kind of things. So dear genius leader, leaders, tune in for that panel con- conversation as well because you'll hear more about those concepts. Rolof, I actually wanted to bring up another point when it comes to self-enjoyment concept. When I heard you talking about that in the panel discussion, I directly thought of a couple of my clients who would definitely cringe at that word because to them, doing some kind of self-care and especially going into not, I need to take care of myself, but I want to do X, Y, Z as part of the self-care. So when it comes with enjoyment, that would be super selfish for them. In their minds, in their worldview, they need to be useful for the others. They need to be helping others. They're not allowed to take time and effort to actually spend on themselves. So what are the thoughts coming up when I'm talking about those kind of worldviews? How would you help them find the enjoyment? Well, perhaps the, 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 the most important thing that you could take away in discussion is that when you feel good about yourself and you're feeling in the flow, you tend to rub that off on others. So other people. So if you're in a, I mean, uh, so, so if if you're in a relaxed mode and you, you keep that, that helps other people also get into that kind of mode and into that kind of style. And that is for many people, that's a very a very happy place to be. So it's it's kind of like the oxygen mask story that you get in the in, in the flight. Eh? You have to put on your own mask first before you you know before you help others. And uh, because by putting on the mask yourself, it gives you the ability to help others. If you are feeling relaxed in the flow, there's a good chance that other people that is going to rub off on others that they will also are able to get easier into the flow. And I mean, I know it myself. It's uh, that you, you know, if you have some humor and there's a, there's a session where it's okay, guys, you know, and then you crack a joke and. You know, you say, look, you know, it's not this, it's not that serious, what have you. Then the, the, the atmosphere, you know, can be immediately fit. that everybody picks that up and takes it over. So it's a very, and that's actually a very powerful form of, of, as I was saying, framing or contextualizing. So you actually put the context, and that's, that is, uh, for many things, that's, so, you know, making sure that meeting is where people feel comfortable and, you know, they're, they're, they're open and you're open. That makes the discussion and the actual arguments themselves become much more, I would say, effective. Mm-hmm. So it's always, and it's a, perhaps a balance. You know, the one side, you, of course, you have to do things. You have to think things through. You have to do stuff. But at the same time, you should always be aware that you, 
you're doing it within a context. And the context itself can be very important, or perhaps sometimes even much more important. This is where, you know, when they say, so when you hear sometimes it's good that you do nothing, you probably, it's probably never the case that you have a do nothing. You're looking, you're looking at just at the context. You're just looking to see if the frame is, is, uh, is okay. And I, I noticed that as I've got older, I will do more of that. So I will try to less be proactive in what I'm doing. And, and here's another new word you're going to want to write down and be more pro-passive. Pro-passive. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So you try to do that. There's, and there's a I'm reason the word. Down, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. And I think there's, there's maybe even a reason why the word passive and passion, you know, have the same roots. Because when it's when something's your passion, you it just comes out of you. You don't have to you don't have to force it out. It's just there and it's it's you know, and it's and your passion also defines also helps define your context also. So these things, so you have this mix of you know of, of proactive stuff that you're doing and as I said, pro passive stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sometimes when you say, Well, leaders, you know. They may just sit there and be assured that they are looking at the context. And when the context is, you know, making sure the context is, is, is fine, so they know it's on the right river and how people are, are canoeing on the river, they don't mind, you know. So if somebody goes to the left and hits the bank and river bank or goes to the right, it doesn't matter because the whole thing is going in the right direction. It might go a slower than we want or faster, but it doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things because they know they've they got the right the context. They worked out right, and within the context, if you're really smart, uh, you know you build the context. You know kind of what the results are going to be, but you just don't know how the results are going to get there. I love it. So many golden nuggets as always roll up here. Thank you so much for that. So, dear genius leaders, next week you'll hear me uh, doing the deep dive with Henrik Fabrin, who was also participating in the panel discussion, and with him we'll be talking about how him taking care of himself and his health um, has affected his team. So we'll continue this conversation of creating the right context and actually seeing the results of self-care on the others and how selfish or maybe not that is. Roloff, as always, very grateful for our friendship and all the wisdom you bring into me and my audience. So have a great day. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Genius Leadership. If you enjoyed the conversation, hit the subscribe button to not miss an episode. And to help more people become even better leaders, rate and review our podcast and share it with your communities. For more conversations about living and leading from your zone of genius, connect with me on LinkedIn. Genius Leadership is an honest conversation about leading yourself and others. And it's my honor to be your guide in overcoming everything 